folks, without white folks, and be able to raise the question, what is it that we're going to do independent of white people? It is very, very hard for us to envision a world without white people. But we cannot create our own agenda until and unless we can define an agenda that can envision a world in which they don't exist. Now we have to wake up and come back to the reality of them. But certainly when we talk about a future, we have to talk about a future from our point of view and our historical understanding of reality. Anisogoma, Salbona, Habargani, Majwo, Indamanesh, Indamana, Yimhotel, Nangadef, Hetipu, Peace, War. Pan-African Greetings Family, this is your host, Kamal McCasey Dehudi, and you've entered Africa's Reascension. We'll start off this show as usual with an apae or libation, which deliberately calls upon the energies of our African gods, our African spirit forces, and calls upon the forces of those yet born to guide and bless this endeavor. Ago, ago. Ago, Oda Makaman, Inyame, Inyame Treaty of Hope, Mawulisa, Olorum, Amen Ra, Bejiensa, Asasiya, Abasum, Abasum Po, Nana Sergibi, Nana Siketua, Nana Dadakofi, Nana Tigurei, Nana Tigurei, Nana Tigurei. Nana Sinkofa, Nana Kumi, Quaku Free, Akonari Abena, Asubolta, Bolchuewa, Taminsan, Mojuba, Shango, Mojuba, O Ya, Mojuba, O Shil, Chehuti, Asar, Sekmet, Nana Nomen Saman, In Saman Fuabasuo, Fao. Is 
an ancient practice that is still done to this nanosecond in all rural traditional areas throughout the continent. Past, present, and future become one as those of tomorrow. Look upon what we are doing now and drawing strength from and doing the rituals of yesterday. So again, I want to welcome everyone who is listening live on the computer or on your phone or whatever device you may be using. And um, say Madasi to everyone who will download this. And again, welcome you to Africa's Blue Ascension. For all things uncompromisingly African-centered, please go to AfricanWorldAnalysis.com. That's African with a K, World Analysis, all one word, dot com. There you will find a link to this blog talk show. You will find the link to Africa's Reascension's YouTube channel. There you will find a link to my book, How to Make a Negro Christian. And I want to thank the people who recently picked up a copy. Um, please send feedback either through Kamal301 at yahoo.com, K-A-M-A-U-301 at yahoo.com, or send it through um, lulu.com uh, from what you've read. Um, and there's also a link on there that will link you to uh, my news journal that I've been doing since about 2002. Um, the rest of those will be online. They they, they will, trust me. They, they, they're coming up. Uh, and so, yeah, all and, and there's some more things that on the horizon that will be there um, in the coming year. It's only about 75, 80% done. Once it gets to about 93% done, then I'll um, reveal it to everyone. But around. So, yeah, so keep checking it out. AfricanWorldAnalysis.com. African with the K, WorldAnalysis, all one word, dot com. Some other good blog talk shows. For um, the Jacques Akboten. A-G-O-B-O-T-O-N, excuse me, A-G-B-O-T-O-N, Agboton, and his show, World Pan-African Voice. It's usually on Sundays at 1 1 o'clock, 1 a.m., a dedicated Pan-African brother who travels back and forth to the continent uh, trying to Awaken all Africans, but really focused on trying to wake up folks on the continent. Um, if you think it's bad over here, <laughs> and, and trying to raise consciousness and awareness, uh, it's it's even doubly bad on the continent uh, because they don't have all this information that we have. Uh, on some level, you think it might be easier since it's in the home base. And if instead of, you know, talking about books dealing with traditional Africa, you could just get on a bus or get on a bike and go up to the rural areas and actually see it for yourself. But it's complicated on the continent. But but we've got good people who, who are still doing the work that needs to be done on both sides of the Atlantic and actually wherever African people are and, uh, and, and 
He seems to be one of them. So, Jacques Agboton, A-G-B-O-T-O-N, World Pan-African Voice, Sundays, 1 p.m. Also, you have Queen Ifama, I-F-A-M-A, the Truth Terrorist. Her shows are also on Sundays, but at 7 p.m., right before us, uh, Raw Butt Naked Truth speaker that she is. Um, it's always good to hear sisters putting it down and breaking it down like it should be broken down, and and she's definitely in that in that vein. So check her show out, um, Queen Ifama I F A M A, the Truth Terrorist Sundays at 7 p.m. Also another down down sister, Sister Ia Ajua I Y A A D J U A. And her show with Emmy Masu, Cultural Rebirth Connections. Usually on Wednesdays around 4, 4.30 p.m., but just um, type that into the search engine, and then when the show page come up, click follow, and you'll be instantly kept abreast of all of her shows. And she has some good archive programs as well, so you want to check that out. Iya Ajua, I-Y-A, A-D-J-U-A. And her show with Henry Masu, Cultural Rebirth Connections. And then one other excellent blog talk show that's out there, um, Pan Africanism or Parish, by Brother Taj Malik, T A J M A L I K. Um, he hasn't been on for a minute, so again, you want to. Um, Type, type in Pan-Africanism or Parish and or Taj Malik, and then just when the page comes up, click the follow button, and you'll be kept abreast of his shows. He has some excellent, excellent, excellent archive shows that you definitely want to check out. Uh, real, real, real good brother. You're another one who's um, been working overtime to help awaken brothers and sisters that are on the continent specifically. Um, so that once we get our stuff together more so on these sides of the waters, we will have uh, conscious and awakened people on the other side uh, to be able to link up with and do the work that we need to do. Pan-Africanism or Parish is the show name, and it's host Taj Malik, T-A-J-M-A-L-I-K. Africa's reascension, Kamal McCasey Tahuti. As of this moment, we are at war. BlogTalkRadio.com slash Kamal301. K-A-M-A-U-301. 760-454-1111. When are we going to, as African people... Step up the dialogue. Sundays, 9 p.m. Eastern. Because it's black African power. An uncompromising, unapologetic, African-centered internet radio show. Until we reestablish Africa as the preeminent value, none of those other solutions mean a doggone thing. Blogtalkradio.com slash Kamau 301. K-A-M-A-U 301. 
If you're not about nation building, you're not about African centeredness. Seven six zero four five four one 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 one. Seven six zero four five four one 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 one. As of this moment, we are at war. There is no evidence that black and white races can live in close proximity to each other in peace. Without without whites attempting to oppress and exterminate the black. Blogtalkradio.com slash Kamau three oh one. K A M A U three zero one. What kind of God? Do you wish it? What's the name of it? Who taught you to praise him? Was this the God you were praying to before you were brought to these shores? Was this the religion you had before you were brought to these shores? Can you name one African God? Sundays, 9 p.m. Eastern. BlogTalkRadio.com slash Kamau 301. K-A-M-A-U 301. A lot of people think when they read the Bible that the same revelation that, that's written in the Bible is going to be their, their judgment in life. That Jesus is going to come and judge the world and you're going to get hemmed up with that. You better be good. A God of justice is not going to judge the slave the way he judges the slave master. You started out with nothing. Everything taken from you. You're a prisoner of war. You can go to God and say, God, I never even got a chance to know myself. How can I know you? God even knows that already. So the judgment is not on us. But what we do, we forgot about us. We forgot about our God. And what we do is we read the Bible and we say, wow, we're going to suffer the same fate as the Jews. No, you're not Jewish. If you ever want to escape Armageddon, read a different book. Ultimately, we ask the question that's closest to home for a lot of people. When we claim that we've escaped slavery, and the slavery was something back there, which had nothing to do with us today. And then I ask you the question, what kind of God do you worship? name of it? Who taught you to praise him? What's the name of it? Who taught you to praise him? Was this the God you were praying to before you were brought to these shores? Was this the religion you had before you were brought to these shores? Can you name one African God was this the God you were praying to before you were brought to these shores? Was this the religion you had before you were brought to these shores? Can you name one African God? And then I ask you the question, what kind of God 
do you wish him? What's the name of it? Who taught you to praise him? Was this the God you were praying to before you were brought to these shores? Is this the religion you had before you were brought to these shores? Can you name one African God? How can you then, who define yourself, the very essence of yourself and the very essence of your soul, and organize the very nature of your life here on earth, based on a God handed to us by a slave master, claim that you have no slave consciousness and are not related to slavery? You are listening to a pre-recorded show tonight at Africa's Reascension. Please leave comments and feedback on this blog talk page. We will have a follow-up show on this information given at a future time, so please click on the follow button so you can stay updated on all the happenings at Africa's Reascension. Now back to our program which is entitled, The Future of African Gods, by Dr. Malefi Asante. Enjoy. Tonight, I am sharing with you an idea uh, that was heavy on my soul, actually, uh, for many months. And I spoke to this idea in Accra, Ghana, back in July in a lecture that was shown on national TV in Ghana. And I'm very happy to say that Brother David Barnes is here because he told me that he happened to be in a restaurant somewhere and lo and behold, I came on TV in Ghana. So I'm really delighted that, that he's here. You will hear this the second time. <laughs> All right. So it's very, very um, uh, revealing and, uh, because I think I've got some more ideas since that time. And the ideas were provocative, they say, but I'll tell you what my basic premise is. All civilizations, all people who claim to have civilization, also base their civilizations on what now goes by the name religion. And this is an idea that... Some of our thinkers, like Joseph ben Yakinen, uh, indeed uh, Maulana Karenga and others, have argued before. It is not a new idea. It's also an idea that now is having currency among some European thinkers and writers. That civilization is different from just the idea of specific cultures that specific cultures may exist within larger civilizations. And these larger civilizations are held together by common ideas about the world. Take, for example, Europe. We speak of the European civilization, but in effect, to speak of Europe or to speak of European civilization, you're talking about many specific histories of Europe. There's a German history. There's a French history. 
There is a Romanian history. There are very different histories. There's a Swedish history. And then sometimes if you take regions, you can say there's a Scandinavian history, you see, which includes Norway and Denmark and um, Sweden. So, so you, can, you can group them that way, but they are all within one European civilization. Now, they don't like to say that about Africa. If you say there's an African civilization, they say, oh, no, there are too many cultures in Africa, too many different people. How are you going to talk about an African civilization? They got even, um, they got Negroes now who's saying that. <laughs> Kwame, Kwame, Kwame Apia um, has just said, that. so you can't talk about no Africa as if there's a unity of Africa? What kind of thing is that? In fact, one of the interesting things was to hear Kwame Apia Criticized Kwame Pia is a professor at Harvard who, um, uh, you know, who has attacked uh, Afrocentrists, but he's also attacked uh, the Nobel writer Wally Soyinka. He says, Wally Soyinka is talking about the u some unity of Africans based on religion and on concepts of spirituality. He says, what is this? There's nothing like that. But all Europe, the concept of Europe, is essentially a religious concept. When Charles Martel stopped, at least gathered the Europeans together at Poitiers in France to stop the movement of what they called then the Saracens. The word Saracens really means Arabs. To stop the Arabs in invasion in Europe then you had at that point the beginning of what might be called a European civilization because all these folks said, we're Christians. We are not going to allow the Muslims to take over Europe. In fact, not only are we not going to allow them to take over Europe, we are going to travel all the way to Jerusalem to fight them. This is the Crusades. See, people don't talk about the Crusades today, but this is fanaticism. Fanaticism is not a a recent phenomenon in Europe. Fanaticism is an is a, is a ancient European uh, phenomenon. And their, their attack was, uh, was such that they believed that if they could go to Jerusalem and attack the Muslims in Jerusalem and to defeat them in Jerusalem, they would receive all of the benefits that God would have to give them. That's what they believed. They, you would die happy. And almost all the institutions of Europe that we think of came out of that. People wonder where the European concepts come from. Where the European attitudes and ideas come from. All of these European ideas, hospitals, for example, they got hospitals. Where do hospitals come from? It came from the battlefield. These were, this is the Crusades when they started the hospital. If we, uh, we may have to let down some more of these uh, seats, so some of you brothers may, uh, who have been here before, who know how to do it, uh, might have to ask them. It's a, it's a good sign that we have so many people come. That's good. But these institutions, these were institutions that were battlefield institutions, and much of what Europe became, and much of what Europe is, is, is a war economy. It's based on war. Their, their concept of, of what's good, 
war morality, military, martial morality. This is the European idea. So that even the notion, not only of hospitals, but the notions of how people protected each other and saved each other, and how they cared for each other, all of these things were based on, on the warfare, and, this, and the Crusades was the very essence of it. The Crusades were fundamental. One, one, one lecture, maybe in the spring, I'll give you a whole lecture on, um, on Peter the Hermit and all those guys. I used to teach on that. The, the, the Crusades encapsulate the European ideas, not, not even at the Christian era, free Christian. It brings into play all of the mystical ideas of Votan and uh, Thor and all of those people, we, all those uh, deities that they had. But we'll get into that because sometimes we think that Europe has always been Christian. That has not always been Christian. In fact, many of the people who claim Christianity are, are right now still operating on pre-Christian ideas and attitudes. This is why we sometimes can't understand. People, people say to me all the time, and I talk to Christians, Christians say, but the white folk ain't Christian. I say, but they, they announce themselves as Christians just like you. But what they are saying to me is that they recognize there's something different about it. There must be something going on. And I'm telling you what's going on is the, is the mythical pre-Christian past of Europe. It's a different idea going on. And that idea is interacting with and conflicting with the various ideas that Europe has of itself now. So when I say civilization, and I'm talking about religion, I want you to understand that there are no people without traditions, and traditions are the lifeblood of a people. And a people who refuses, or a people who refuse to express its love and appreciation for its ancestors will die. Because uh, in tradition, if you are not expressing your own traditions, you are expressing somebody else's. And we don't understand that sometimes as Africans. If we are not participating in our own, if we do not accept our own, if we despise our own, if we, if we say that we don't believe in our own, then since all traditions are made, then whatever you participate in is somebody else's. You know what I'm saying? All traditions are made. Human beings make traditions. They don't just fall out of the sky. People make traditions, and in making traditions, they create standards by which other people follow. They create pathways. And if you are not following in the pathways that have been created by others in your own tradition, then you are following somebody else. You can't divest yourself of culture, regardless of who you are. You say, well, I'm just human. <laughs> you know, because I know that's what some of y'all are saying in your mind out there. I'm just human. He, he's just talking about all this African stuff. I'm just human. But you have to, if you are human, you are human in a certain way. You are human with certain values, with certain beliefs, with certain attitudes, with certain foundations. You can't just say, I'm just human. 
and walking around with a Italian suit on. You know what I'm saying? You, yeah, you are human, but you participate in somebody's culture. You have somebody's idea going on somewhere. You see, people say that sometimes when they just don't want to be African. You know, no person is devoid of an attachment to some cultural fountain. And so we ask, whose water are you drinking? It's a fundamental question. Our African history has been an orgy of forgetfulness. We have often lost our memories and accepted the gods of those who enslaved and colonized us. Now this to me is a problem. <laughs> And I just want to walk you through it because this is why it caused so much problem in Ghana. And as Sam said, this to, I, I, it's a big problem. How? And I, I'll tell you exactly what I said. We have often embraced our enemies' gods, and we have found these gods to be anathema to our own interests. Now, I'll tell you something. You show me the gods we African people worship, and I will show you the extent of our moral and ethical decay. You just show me the god. <laughs> I'm telling you, this is a problem. I, I stood. I stood in Goray Island and went into the place where they, where they held African people before they put us on ships to send us to the Americas. I went in and I saw this. And then across the road there's a church where these same people who held us worship in the church. In Ghana, I went into Cape Coast Castle and in Cape Coast Castle, in the bottom, they had dungeons. And on the second floor, they had a chapel where the people who held us in the dungeon, where they worshipped. And then we come out, and we follow the same God. Something wrong with that. People brutalizing you all down in the, in the, in the dungeon. And when they get through... And they're praying and singing up there to God Almighty and Jesus Christ. When they get through, you up there doing the same thing. No, it does not work. It's never worked in history. You cannot show me one people in the world who we consider to be cultured and, and civilized and, and progressive and, and upright whose God is somebody else's God doesn't exist. Those who speak to us of Christian or even Islamic morals have often been the very ones who had defiled our ancestors' memories and called our sacred rites paganism. Malcolm X once said, the world pushes the African around because we give the impression that we are chumps. We're not chumps. We're not champions. We give the world impression we are champions, weaklings, falling over ourselves to follow other people rather than our own traditions. Now let me tell you something. 
The distribution of religion, just watch this point. The distribution of religion represents the distribution of power. You show me where religion is, and I'll show you the power behind it. In the world, the African distribution of religion is minimal. We have a few examples. The Yoruba culture in South America and Brazil and Haiti, maybe in the southern part of the United States, and in Cuba, Puerto Rico. That's about the extent of a real distribution of African civilized thought. And I think perhaps the Yoruba culture is perhaps the most distributed of the African religions. You know, there are other groups, small groups, but, but I mean, in a, in a real sense, we don't have, in terms of Africa, I believe, I'm, I'm saying this to you because I believe it, I believe that the distribution of, of religion is an indication of the distribution of power in the world. This is why Samuel Huntington, the Harvard professor, could say that the next clash in the world is not a clash between communism and capitalism. The next clash is between Islam and Christianity because they are the two most dominant distributed religions and consequently they are vying for power all over the earth. What are we going to be? We're going to go one way or the other way because we don't have no way. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? This is crazy. We become the contested territory, the contested pawn in this whole civilizational game that is being played out because we have not expressed ourselves. Indeed, our traditional religious leaders have often been hijacked by the material goods offered by the purveyors of these other migrating gods. Now talk about that too. What happened to our what happened to our traditional leaders? Somebody offer you a car and build you a big house. <laughs> you know. Say you can be a preacher at the Church of Jesus Christ of the Latter day Saints in Nigeria and Ghana. They may even come here to Philadelphia and do the same thing. You know, I mean I mean I'm I'm asking see the great African pharaoh, Minis, united the two lands, Tawi, bringing 42 clans under one government around 3100 B.C. By this time already, Africans had formulated the first human response to the unknown. If anything, we knew God before anyone else. Not because we were wiser, but because we were first to be civilized. That, that is, it's not because we were somehow in the, we were just first. And it's an accident. I mean, we didn't have anything to do with it. But it happened. It's a fact of life. It's a fact of history that Africans were first. 
If you take any of the scientific reports, we know the first hominids were from Africa. Australopithecus afarensis, Australopithecus ramidus. They go back nearly four million. In fact, some people say uh, uh, afarensis goes back four million two hundred thousand years ago. When Richard Johannesson discovered Dink Nash, that some people have called Lucy, he claimed to have found the earliest example of a hominid in, in the world. This is in Ethiopia. And this is an interesting thing, because even if you come down from there and you say the first Homo sapiens sapiens were Africans from the Omo Valley, you're talking 200,000 years, up until... 75,000 years ago, all the humans in the world were black. You are listening to a pre-recorded show tonight at Africa's Reascension. Please leave comments and feedback on this blog talk page. We will have a follow-up show on this information given at a future time, so please, Click on the follow button so you can stay updated on all the happenings at Africa's Reascension. Now back to our program, which is entitled The Future of African Gods by Dr. Malefi Asante. Enjoy. Up until 75,000 years ago, there was no differentiation there. The differentiation happened with the Europeans after the Berg Glacier period, when the Grimaldi migrated out of Africa into Europe, and the differentiation with the Asians happened later than that, maybe 10,000 years ago. So I'm saying to you that if you go to science, you have to ask yourself the question, did those early Africans formulate a response to the unknown? Of course they did. And they did it before anyone else. Our ancestors brought forth the first civilizations and gave the world the oldest cosmological explanations. Thus, Ra manifest, uh, manifested as, as Ptah, as Amen, as Atum, as Kephra, the many names of the one supreme created Shu and Tefnut, air and moisture, Geb and nuts, earth and sky. Then came Osar, Oset, Nep, Head, and Set. And you know the story of Osar being killed by his brother Set. And Oset putting him back together with the assistance of her sister Nep, Head, and her son Heru, who avenged his father by killing Set, his uncle. This is a story of good over evil. It was first recorded in Africa. The purpose was to create mock, mock, balance, harmony, justice, righteousness, truth, reciprocity, and order. These are the key concepts in any ethical system. And the fact that they emerged first in Africa suggests that other ideas related to these ideas found their way into the very practices and beliefs of our people throughout the continent. The deliberate attempt 
by the Europeans to separate Africans from the classical civilizations of the Nile is one of the biggest falsifications in history. Sheikh Anjot said that. Only when we are able to reclaim our history can we see the origins of many religions and the many religious ideas of Africans. This is what Ben Yakinen wrote. Dr. Ben Yakinen wrote this some time ago. This is what John Henry Clark has often said. The whole idea is that the deification of history is what religion is about. The making sacred of your own road, your own way. This is why if you, look, why do you think the Muslims pray, turn their head to Mecca? Why is Mecca any more sacred than New York? Why is it any more spiritual? than Lake Bosomtri in Ghana? Why is it more spiritual than Inugu? What, what makes Mecca different? Because the Arabs see their history there. It is a, it's a deification of their history. It's making sacred the characters and personalities out of that history. Why do you think the Yoruba People, honor Odudawa. Well, they see in Ili Ife. It is because religion is the deification of ancestors. It's the making sacred of your own places. And all people who are people do that. If you ain't a people, you won't do it. You go follow somebody else. Because you don't have one. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> this is a problem. And it's a particular problem of Africans here in the diaspora. This is why Maulana Karinga worked so hard for 30 some years to try to talk about reconstructing culture. Because it's fundamental. People can't even, you don't even know what's right. This is why, this is why we scared sometimes of our young people. Because they don't come out of the same... We don't know what culture they come out of. You know what I'm saying? You don't know how to respond. If people came out of the same culture, you would know what to anticipate. You would have some sense of value. You would know what the standards would be. But we don't know what the standards are. Everybody there thing. You're anything you want to be. You can be nothing if you want to be, you know. This is a whole different idea. This is not the African idea. It wasn't the African way. People operated on, the, on, on, a, on, certain, on a certain system and a certain frame with a frame of reference. So when we talk about religion as the deification of history, of culture, the making sacred of your own ancestors, then you understand how the Jews are able to tell you about Abraham and Moses. You understand why Jerusalem becomes so important in their mythology. And you also understand how a Jewish scholar could be on TV with Reverend Lowry. Used to be from the Southern Christian Leadership Conference. And how Reverend Lowry, when he was on that show quoted from the book of Isaiah and he said 
They were discussing Palestine and Israel. And Reverend Lowry said, you ought to, Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah said, you ought to uh, turn your sword into plowshares. Something like that. Y'all know the verse, right? <laughs> and, um, and the Jewish God looked at Reverend Lowry. Y'all know Reverend Lowry, right? Yeah, he looked at Reverend Lowry and he says, Reverend Lowry, you know one of our prophets. But another one of our prophets says such and such. I felt I was so small because he did not, he could not, Reverend Lowry could not call on Kagimni. He could not call on Kununut or Patahotep. He called on, he was debating this man on this man's territory. So this man said, what? He says, you just, you quote Isaiah, but Jeremiah said. You know, so I'm saying to you that the problem, as I see it, in my mind is that we African people, we, we have not yet understood what's ours. And so that's part of the confusion. In the ancient time, the name of Egypt was um, Kemet. And it was the culmination of Africa's classical achievements in science, art, architecture, medicine, astronomy, geometry, and religion. In fact, of course, there was no word for religion in the ancient language. Uh, but I'm just using this as a modern term because life was religion. The Greeks honored the Africans as the originators of science and art. And indeed, the Greeks not only practiced what they found in Egypt, but according to Herodotus, the names of nearly all of the gods of Greece came from Kemet. Even the word Athens is probably a version of Aten. Even the name, even Diana was African, according to Herodotus. Even, I mean, all of, and their mythological figures came out of Egypt. And when you began to understand that, you understand that when Constantine in 325 A.D., called the Council of Nicaea together. This was a Christian era. Even though he wasn't a Christian, he was using. He decided to use some principles that he had derived from Egypt. But he got them together because the Christians in 325 they had big argument. They had several arguments, big arguments, and and the, and the and and the some of the main antagonists were in Africa. And they had arguments like this. They had arguments, what day should you worship? There's a day. Some people say you worship on Saturday. Some say you worship on Sunday. That was a big argument. Some said you worship on Friday. That was a big argument. Uh, who, who is sacred? How many people, I mean, who is sacred? Is, um, is Mary sacred? Uh, this is the Holy See part of Godhead. It was a big argument. They had big issues. What, was Jesus Christ actually human? Uh, this was a big. This was a big. This was one of the biggest arguments. 
if he were human, how, how could he be both, how could he be the Son of God? And if he were the Son of God, how could he also have existed at the same time in the beginning with God? How can you be, exist with God and then you, his Son? You had to exist after God. This is the argument. They, they in 325, Constantine, who's the ruler of the Roman Empire, called them all together, all the bishops. He said, y'all sit here until you work it out. I'm telling you how it started, because otherwise we won't know how it started. That's how it started. They had to sit there until they worked it out. Some people died sitting there in the council. It's true. I read the story on it. They were working on it, but they some of them died working on that thing. Council of Nicaea. How do you deal with it? The sad fact is that since we have forgotten so much, we do not know that we are the originators of religion. African people. The abandonment of our history. Indeed, the abandonment of our gods. The gods of our ancestors have brought us so deep into the quagmire of misdirection, misorientation, and self-pity that we don't know what to do. We lost. You know, this is what it means when you say you lost. You know, even if the Muslims say you, you can be lost, Christians say you can be lost, we lost. They're right. When they're talking to black folks, they know we lost. Because we have abandoned our own gods. Abandon our own ancestors. How in the world? And I said this on the cast, and I said every time I go to Africa, Brother Badara in Dallas back there from Senegal. I said it in Senegal. I told him, and Senegal is predominantly a Muslim country. They want to know me, were well, you Muslim? I said, I am Muslim only in the sense that Bamba. Bamba was Muslim. Bamba Yalala. Bamba is God. A black man is God. Then they say, all right, he's fine. <laughs> you got to go with your ancestors. You can't, how, how else can you, how, where else can you go? I believe that part of our problem, our psychological problems, our social problems, our, all of our cultural problems, our children problems, all of our problems exist because we are we are, we have we have turned our backs on our own ancestors. People don't do that. Nobody does it. This is why we and this is sort of a sidetrack, but you know, this is why we had so much trouble with that Ebonic thing. Can you imagine the Jewish people turning their backs on Yiddish? Can can you can you understand that when we ran out, the, everybody wanted to get on radio and TV and tell people, I don't believe in Ebonics. We were crushing our great-grandmothers and grandfathers. No other people in the history of the world has ever done it. I've never seen it. The people came out, I hate Ebonics. Misdirection. Misorientation never happened in the history of the world. No people ever turned their back on their ancestors. And that's why I think we have a, we have a particular problem. 
Because Europe and, and I believe the Arabs have both given us this problem. We feel inferior in our own things. Let me say that again because y'all didn't hear that. We feel if it's black, it's inferior. We got to go somewhere else. I'll be a Buddhist before I'll be an African. You know what I'm saying? I know that's what y'all say. And the African will be anything. Give me anything. Let me do my yoga and everything in the morning. It's a Whoopi Goldberg. I'm, I'm, I'm just out of here. But don't come talking to me about no African nothing. <laughs> this is us. You know it's us. It ought not to be us, but it is. These are the problems. And these problems sit right at the heart of our difficulties. We often hear our own people talking about, well, you know, we never could do such and such, and we never did such and I've never heard, I've had, I've, I've met Chinese people, Japanese people, I've never heard them curse their ancestors. I've never heard anyone call Confucius a pagan. I've never heard them say Lao Tzu was somehow uncivilized and primitive. They don't talk about their people like that. We have allowed Europe to infiltrate our brains. And so because of that, we, we understand that we, have, we, we, cannot, we can't even create out of our own tradition. But you, know, you know, the beautiful thing about tradition is that if you, love, if you have a tradition, you ought, to, you ought to be able to create out of it. And we're beginning to do, we, I think that, I'm not, you know, consciousness is coming. But, but it's, it's, it's slow, but it's coming. I am, I'm an optimist. But to be able to create out of your own tradition, you know how powerful we would be? And to create it proudly, you know, it is true. I've said it. I've heard others say it. Until we have African presidents, African prime ministers, standing in public and praying to an African God without shame, we will always be considered second-class people. You see, what would be any more pagan if we looked at things that are barbaric and pagan than the wanton, willful destruction by Europe of the native peoples in this country? How could white men pray to a god on the second floor of the slave dungeon and that not be considered pagan. What kind of religion denied our, our humanity at the same time they were raping our women, brutalizing our children and demanding our wealth and our souls? It is true that the idea of Christian names or Muslim names promotes and advances those cultures. Let me say that again. You remember what I said about the distribution of religion and power, right? 
because the distribution, look at this, this is the key element, the distribution of my influence, my power over you is to get you to believe and accept my way. If I give you my name, if I give you my dress, then I, I, I hope that in time I'll have your brain. That, that is, that's, the, that's the philosophy behind it. You see, I want to say this, because you must understand, there's nothing wrong with African gods. And I'll get to that in a minute. Don't let people say, and this is what Apia just said. To see, I, I'm thinking about what Apia just said. Uh, no, no, I'm sorry, it's not Apia, it's uh, Kwasi Weridu. He said, uh, we should not be talking about African gods because African gods have not served us well. Now, this is an interesting line of thinking. You are listening to a pre-recorded show tonight at Africa's Reascension. Please leave comments and feedback on this Blog Talk page. We will have a follow-up show on this information given at a future time, so please click on the follow button so you can stay updated on all the happenings at Africa's Reascension. Now back to our program which is entitled, The Future of African Gods, by Dr. Malefi Asante. Enjoy. A lot of people think, when they read the Bible, that the same revelation that, that's written in the Bible is going to be their, their judgment in life. That Jesus is going to come and judge the world, and you're going to get hemmed up with that. You better be good. A God of justice is not going to judge the slave the way he judges the slave master. You started out with nothing. Everything taken from you. You're a prisoner of war. You can go to God and say, God, I never even got a chance to know myself. How can I know you? God even knows that already. So the judgment is not on us. But what we do, we forgot about us. We forgot about our God. And what we do is we read the Bible and we say, wow, we're we going to suffer the same fate as the Jews. No, you're not Jewish. If you ever want to escape Armageddon, read a different book. And you know why it's an interesting line of thinking? Because what it reveals is the dominance of the military, militaristic, martial type of religious distribution. See, African traditions were very clear. If I were a Zulu, then I would not go to my Shona neighbor and say, you have to practice Zulu. I'm Zulu, you're Shona, we both believe in Almighty God, fine. No problem. If I'm Igbo, and Chuck Wu is the name of the supreme god for me, that's fine. I don't have to go over to the Akan people and say, you should have Nyame as the supreme name. It's fine. It is only with Europe and only 
with the Arab culture do we have aggressive imperialistic religions see and that idea that somehow because we were not imperialistic we didn't take anybody over that our God failed that's not true God never failed and our God never failed either what happened was that we abandoned our God this is the, the, the Africa we the one went away and we was we were we were so weak that we were the ones who were taken by the brain. I'm not talking about physical. I'm talking about the brain. We were taken by the brain. Why must you change your name if you choose to buy into a foreign religion? What's wrong with your own name? You know, um, any religion that asks you to to do what others do. Not have to do. Let me say it again. Any religion that asks you to do what others do not have to do to abandon um, themselves means that they want you to abandon your mama. <laughs> See, if I'm born in Arabia, I am born with an Arab name. But if I'm born in Alaska, and I have an Inuit name for me to be considered Muslim. I gotta change my name, but you don't have to change your name if you're born in Arabia. No, any religion. Let me say this: any religion that you got that, that for you to accept it, that wants you to do something that other folks don't have to do, is asking you to abandon your mama. I'll never abandon my mama. Question is, why would you abandon your mama? See, what is religion? Again, I mean, this is a big issue here. How can we honor any god who was used against us? The only people who accept alien gods are defeated people. If you accept an alien god, that means you, somebody defeated you and gave it to you. You, 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 you will never find look, the, the Japanese. Their religion is Shintoism. They have fought hard to keep Shintoism. The Indians and the Muslims fight in India and Pakistan all the time. Because, not because one believes in Almighty God, and other believes in they all they both believe in the Supreme Deity. But the Hindus do not want to give up their deity, and the Muslims don't want to give up their deity. They struggle over that. When you find a people who has given up their deity, you find a defeated people. People don't do that willingly. So when you look around and you ask, why? And not just even, not, look here, not just in the diaspora. On the African continent, you see it all over the place. You go to Ghana and, and Ghana's gone. It's gone. We have a, we're going to have a big, big struggle. And we may have lost it already. Because we just, we're just waking up. We, we lost, Nigeria's gone. It's gone. 
And the, the point of the matter is that Mecca, Rome, or Jerusalem are no more sacred than the sacred sites of the African people. They are no more sacred. People make them sacred. People, you know, um, Fabono was talking about it the other day. See, you, you activate things. Things are not, you know, it's just like I was telling someone uh, at the Church of God in Christ. They asked me to come and speak at the Church of God in Christ. Can you believe that? <laughs> Church of God in Christ is deep, but the brother was courageous. The minister was very courageous. So he said, you know, he talked to him a little bit before and said, look, now, you know, you know, I said, yeah, I know. I'd be, we'd be okay. But, <laughs> but, but, but I said, you know, this, this book, this book, this is Obinga's book. But this book, if it were the Holy Bible, we call it the Holy Bible, it is the Bible. There's no, it doesn't say inside the Holy Bible, but we wrote on the Holy Bible. If it was the Bible, right? We just, now look at this, look at this. We can, we can, uh, we can say it's a book. But since it's a holy book, I can't throw it on the floor and step on it. Because y'all would get mad at me. Because it's holy. What makes it holy? We do. Human beings make it holy. And all things are, this is the way, where the activation goes. So when we start talking about cults, what makes Mecca holy? What makes Jerusalem holy? Black people tell me, oh, well, you know, I can't go with you to Egypt because um, I'm going to Jerusalem with my church this year. <laughs> and I'm saying as a black man, what can be holier? What can be holier than standing at the temple of Karnak? What could make your, what could, what could touch you as deeply as being in the chapel at Edfu, of standing before Ramses? What could be any holier than that? How could you say you're going to, that Jerusalem is holier than what? Why? What? Tell me why. I, I don't, and you know the question now, some of y'all may tell me why. I don't understand it. From an African point of view, here is a civilization that existed thousands of years before Jerusalem was ever born. Thousands of years before Mecca. And it's yours. You, if, if your people built it, they erected the greatest temples in the world. And you standing there saying to me, I, I want to go to Mecca. <laughs> you uh, black man or black woman out of your mind. This is not correct. This is not just not make any sense. It does not, to me, it does not make sense. This is a problem. It's a problem that I think in the last 500 years we have. We didn't have it before 500 years. You know that? This is a minor problem. This is a little twist in the road here. But we got to get back to the real thing. Look at this. There in Africa, I believe that, uh, and Huntington had argued this, he said there are six major civilizations in the world. He said there's the Chinese civilization, the Japanese civilization, 
the orthodox Christian civilization, mean by that, the, I guess the Slavics and Greeks and so, the Hindu civilization, the Western Christian civilization, and the Islamic civilization. He said those are the six major civilizations in the world. Not an African, anywhere. And this book, his book is called The Clash of Civilizations. He says that each one of these civilizations, the Chinese, the Japanese, the Orthodox, the Hindu, the Western Christian, and the Islamic, these are major. Now he says there's some other civilizations, but they're not major yet. Like for the, Jew, the Jewish civilization, the civilization. But there's no African civilization that comes to his mind. Each of the six major civilizations has what he calls a vanguard nation that defends the civilization. You, you, just, you know, the, the, the Russian nation defends the orthodox tradition. The, the United States defends the Western Christians. The India, India defends Hindu civilization. They attack you on that. Don't deal with that. Every civilization in the world has a vanguard nation. You know, always when I look at these books, I always look at the index, what they say about us. He, he said, Africa has not yet defined itself. Like, how can the oldest continent in the world not define itself? You know why? And he said, I'm sure he went. There are about 53 or 54 nations in Africa. Only one African nation declares itself to be traditional African. Which one you say? Uh-uh. She said Nigeria. No, Nigeria is predominantly Muslim. Ghana? Ghana is predominantly Christian. Give me which one? Benin. Benin. Benin... It's 87 declared. When, they, when you look at you go look at the encyclopedia. There's a religion. Where they say there's a religion, 87% traditional. Benin. But it's a small country. It doesn't have power. If it were Nigeria that was 87% traditional, we would be, we would be okay. We could, be, we could do something. We could have some leadership here. But, but every other African nation... Is predominantly Islamic or predominantly Christian. Does not express the African personality or will in its leadership. This is a problem, y'all. Don't y'all see this as a problem? I, I see this as a problem. I don't understand it. I am, I am, I do understand it. I think, but I am, but I'm just saying, I, I mean, we got to do something about this. This is a serious problem. Look. This, now this white guy, he's writing a book, Samuel Huntington, he's writing, he said, yeah, he says, Africa is, is, is being fought over by the Muslims and by the Christians. But African, traditional African religion with traditional African values, not expressed. Let me explore, I won't keep you much longer. African religion with you to provide some common understanding, then I'll be finished. 
In the first place, it is important that we call popular traditional African religion everywhere by a common acronym. And I have used the acronym PATARE, P-T-A-R-E. This means that Akan, Yoruba, Igbo, Zulu, and Shona are the same religion with different branches. Just as Christians may be Baptists, Methodists, Catholics, and just as Muslims may be Sunni, Shiites, Marids, there's no difference in speaking of Patari as one religion and speaking of Christianity or Islam as one religion. Don't let people tell you that Patari is not one religion. There's so many different religions. There's one religion. The different branches of it. But it's one religion, Patari. One religion, popular, traditional African religion everywhere. It is as old as civilization. Indeed, it is much older than either Christianity or Islam. The major characteristics of Patari are found in all of the traditions from east to west and from north to south. The fact that we have often misunderstood the legacy we have inherited is not the fault of those who left it. It is our fault for preferring the oppressor's legacy over that of our ancient ancestors. The characteristics of Patari, which come from ancient Kemet, are these. A creator God. You can write them down. The creator God. We, we all spring creator God. We believe that there is a domicile of God, a place of the gods, a presence where the God's presence is. This could be a shrine, could be a temple. Priests and priestesses of God, devotees of God, herbalists, some people call it pharmacists, psychiatrists, some people call them mental harmonizers. I mean, of course, white folks want to say witch doctors. <laughs> Diviners. These are people who are able to read the oracles, or scientists. They really come out of the hunters and the, uh, the hunters' uh, lodges and the explorers, people who go out into the forest or go out into the desert. They know the very nature of the environment and the, and the topography and how different materials operate. They become the diviners. All ritual in Patari seek a return to mind. The idea, remember, balance, harmony, justice, righteousness, reciprocity. All rituals is for that. That's what the rituals are for. To bring about balance, harmony, to bring about righteousness. Everything is one. We are part of the whole and nothing is disconnected from the Almighty. That is why we recognize Mother Earth as well. And we say Mother Earth, in the icon, we say Mother Earth is Nyame. Asaseya, brother. Asaseya. To Mother Earth. What Europe sees and teaches as limitations in Patari are really advantages. No vast, you hear what they say? They say, well, you know, in Patari, they don't call it Patari, we call it Patari, we just call it that, right? But they say, in traditional African religion, they don't have a vast uh, interpretive literary corpus to say what is and what is not. But we do. We have. You know, all kinds of commentaries and all kinds of commentators. We have that and the Muslims have that. But Tara's interpretations are often dependent 
on a multitude of situations that demand attention. In other words, if you have, you remember those of you who heard my lecture on the first calls and the first time, if you have that, then that is the big picture. Then what you've got to do with situations, you've got to deal with them as they come. All situations are different. Look at this. I'll give you one example. Look at this. The Christians say, you shouldn't lie. I'm not talking about Clinton. I know the first thing y'all did. First thing y'all did. First thing you did. But the Christians say you shouldn't lie. And yet, you have other people who problematize this issue of lying. That there's some good lies. There's some bad lies. Black lies. White lies. I mean, so they began to... Pro- the, the, in, the, in, the, in the traditional African religion, people say each situation depends. You, you got a situation here. A guy runs in here, and he says to us, look, there are five guys out there. They're going to shoot me. Can you hide me behind that table over there and tell them I'm not in here? The first thing I'll do is tell them, he ain't, he ain't in here. That's what religion allows me to do that. But your religion says you're lying. You want the man killed. This is because I'm telling you that you don't, because the, you got, you, you are, you, this, when, when they say we don't have a, a literary court, it was a reason that the ancestors didn't have a literary court. And the reason was their wisdom was such that they recognized that there would be so many different situations that would call on all the wisdom of the elders. You sit down and work. This is why people say we talk all the time. You go to Africa and you, one issue, I've seen this, one issue in the, in the Akan court could consume half a day. I'm telling you, the, the, the man was supposed, when he, killed, when he killed the animal when he was hunting, he was supposed to give the first part of it to the king. And he didn't give it to the king. So they had to have meat. <laughs> and they talked for half a day to resolve that issue. And the issue could be resolved one way just today and another way the next year. Depending on the situation. That was, that's the wisest way to deal. You write something down, thou shalt not lie. Where? Under what circumstance? This is the notion of... See, this is the notion that somehow human beings can be perfect. But the Africans knew that. Even the ancient ancient Egyptians knew that. That's why they didn't say you're working toward perfection. This is why they never have a concept of guilt. There's nothing like that. Because they understood that in the end of life, your good must outweigh your bad. That's the best thing. They understood that. And they could tell who's bad and who's good. But it's based on your life, your lived condition. That was the African way. Look. You are listening to a pre-recorded show tonight at Africa's Reascension. Please leave comments and feedback on this blog talk page. We will have a follow-up show on this information given at a future time, so please 
click on the follow button so you can stay updated on all the happenings at Africa's Reascension. Now back to our program, which is entitled The Future of African Gods by Dr. Malefi Asante. Enjoy. A lot of people think when they read the Bible that the same revelation that, that's written in the Bible is going to be their, their judgment in life. That Jesus is going to come and judge the world and you're going to get hemmed up with that. You better be good. A God of justice is not going to judge the slave the way they judge the slave master. You started out with nothing. Everything taken from you. You're a prisoner of war. You can go to God and say, God, I never even got a chance to know myself. How can I know you? God even knows that already. So the judgment is not on us. But what we do, we forgot about us. We forgot about our God. And what we do is we read the Bible and we say, wow, we're we going to suffer the same fate as the Jews. No, you're not Jewish. If you ever want to escape Armageddon, read a different book. They say that we have no concentration on the material manifestation of God. In other words, the Africans don't have big, pretty churches, big, pretty mosques. We don't have big, pretty shrines. So um, that's a problem. But, of course, they're wrong on that in the sense that, see, all temples started as shrines. Uh, and from the shrine place, people built other edifices. But... What people argue in Africa is that all buildings should have some kind of significance. You didn't just build just to be building. And then in the end, as they say in Benin, and I like this, because ultimately it was the highest form. It was really what the Egyptians were trying to get to, is what Benin had. Look at this. See, if you go, why do you think Egypt built the largest temples in the world. In fact, Karnak Temple, today, even the ruins of Karnak, is the largest religious site ever built in the world. There's no... St. Peter's Cathedral can be placed in, on the grounds of Karnak five times. That's how big it was. It's huge. It goes, it's extensive. Chapels and, and temples all over the place. That's Karnak. They used to have 3,000 priests. You know why they built it so large? They were trying to do what Benin, what the, what, the, what, the, what the priests in Benin will tell you today. The ancient people of Kemet were trying to replicate the universe. You know what they tell you in Benin? They say the temple of God is everywhere. This is what, that is what, and this is what, at Karnak, this is what they were trying. The priests wanted to, they wanted to make the temple so huge that it would be, it would be represent the universe, that everything would be there. They had, and finally, what Egypt demonstrated was not the highest form of African religion. What they demonstrated was the end of this material concept. They got to the point where they understood what later the people in Benin will tell you. And, they, and the Benin people, they always say this. They say, the temple of God 
is everywhere. This is, welcome you to the house of God. You have been there. <laughs> you know, you say, where, where, where is it? They don't have to do like, the, you know, you remember what um, uh, Hoopway Boyne did in Cote d'Ivoire? He built the largest cathedral, Catholic cathedral in the world. It's built in the heart of Africa. But in Benin, right next door, they say, oh, I mean, close, right closer to Benin, say, oh, no, that's not the largest cathedral. It's not the largest place of worship, you know what I'm saying? It, God is everywhere. That is that. So, so that's what they say. Now, let me tell you what the advantages are. Be, here are the advantages of the time. The ethical principles are more conducive to community, and they're not so geared to individualism. Um, in, 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 in most religions that are not African, People are really, it's a whole individual thing. I'm going to be saved myself. Go on to heaven. Forget the rest of y'all. <laughs> you know? Jesus is my personal Savior. You know what I mean? You know, hey, the African look at you kind of strange. You're going to leave the rest of us. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's an individualistic thing. African is more, you can't be saved without the community being saved. How can you do that? It is, that is our, the whole notion behind African religion was a collective communal thing. I am because we are. And in fact, if I do something that was outrageous, then I could be shamed Shame comes from the community, you see. Guilt is individual. There's two, two different kinds of controls. The African control is shame. You know, when someone do something, you say, oh, no, you know, let's not even deal with that person. Outcast, put them out somewhere. But, 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 but with, with, uh, with, uh, with, with other religions, sometimes people will walk around and, and they feel all guilty and beat up, and you don't even know it. They sit right in the midst of you. This is a, that's, a, that's a different kind of religion. It's an individual control. It's a policing function, but it's a policing function that can only operate when you have a person with a whole notion of individual guilt. This, and that's why the Africans don't have that. There's no African religion that has that concept. The con, and the reason you don't have that concept is because you are communal. You function as a part of, a, of the community. You are in the community. You work with the community. And in that way, you are different, and you have a whole different attitude and a different response. The ethical condition is, is different. Some religions demonstrate their power by showing what they can build, but this is only a matter of financial, not moral wealth. You know, you, you say, oh, you know, I can, we can build. I, what this guy... Um, the one in the California, the white guy, Shula, Shula, building a, 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 a some million dollar, uh, not only drive-in church, but now uh, uh, you know he does all kinds of stuff, and he and now now in fact he he has a whole wall that he says will be for capitalist Christians. You have to pay like $5 million to get on the wall. And you call that morality. Get out of here. I mean, he can build it. He has money. I mean, he can he get Bill Gates to build a billion-dollar building. 
But that doesn't mean you're more moral than the African who, from my village of Taufo who goes and sits under the, the great uh, uh, tree by the river in the cool of the evening and meditates. So how can you be more, how can you be better than me simply because you're in that, that, uh, that big cathedral? <laughs> you see, it's, that's, a, that's a matter of financial wealth, economics. It's not a matter of moral wealth. And that's what confuses us. It confuses people in Africa. The Mormons have spent millions of dollars in Africa. They are, build, they are building Mormon temples all over the place. You go to the little poorest villages, they got a big Mormon temple in there. The Saudi Arabia uh, has also done the same thing with mosques. They're all over Ghana. They go in and build a mosque everywhere, in all the tiniest villages, the prettiest building in town. We can't confuse financial wealth with moral wealth. Patari, see, is different. I mean, you know, I asked the question, are you more civilized because you can build a nuclear bomb? No, you're not more civilized. We must not be impressed by the things which can be created. Because we are human and have the same capacity and can create the same things out of our own minds. But our African God does not advance destruction. In fact, we don't have, uh, there's never been gods of death, but God, God of life. The material manifestation of religion are not the wisest standard of how good God is unless your God is money. The new religions seem to bring schools and hospitals, but we have always had those institutions without calling them that and by those names. Now it is, I think, time that the practitioners of Patari, and this is my, my suggestion, and I'll be finished, have the, I think that we have to now do something differently because we are confronted with a different reality. Our entire existence has to be religion. Our shrines are sacred places on sacred land given by the ancestors. Our health is interconnected to our spirituality. We Africans have always believed in the supreme deity. Whether the name was Nyame, Olurumari, Abasi, Inkulu, Inkulu, Woyinji, Shchukwu, Mawu, and Lisa. This is true, although others have said that we did not have. They have confused a lot of us. When the white missionaries translated the Bible in our own languages in Africa, they asked our ancestors for the name of the Almighty, and they used the name our ancestors gave them, and the name our ancestors had always used right in the Bible. In other words, if you open the Bible in Ghana, and you want to see the name of uh, Almighty God, you see Oyankumpo, or you see Nyame. So, so obviously we had the name before the white man came. And the same is with, uh, with all other, but you know, Choku is in the Bible. Abasi. If you go, you, you go to epic people and you see Abasi in the, in the Bible, in their Bible, translated in their language, then they have always been using that name. The white man just used the name that they gave him. You see, just, just use the name. If they're using the name that our ancestors used, 
Then how they would tell us we don't have a, we don't have a supreme being? Then they come back over here and tell people, you know, Africans don't believe in supreme God, Almighty God. But yet they don't put it in the Bible. In, in, in the verse where it says in the Bible, for God so loved the world, the word for God becomes Abasi, Chukwu, Oludamari, Oyankpo. But we get confused. We say, oh no, we never had God. Until <laughs> the white man came. <laughs> that, that's our insanity. You know what I'm saying? That's what they have done to us. But we know that our priests were no less wise in their observations than the Greek sophists. They were no less wise than the Hebrew prophets. They were no less wise than the Arab ulema of the Chinese literati. Our ancestors believed in pluralism without hierarchy. Many expressions of God without saying mine is right and yours is wrong. Or mine is the only one and yours is bad, pagan and heathen. Perhaps had we done that, we would have stopped the alien religions at the shore. But we are the world's first humanists, and we allowed others to come with their goods and their gods. They came with a political ideology in the name of religion. It was imperialism. Imperialism brings destruction, obliteration. How could we fall for it for so long? The introduction of a book or a gun caused us to lose our footing, to stumble to denounce our fathers and mothers. There are no other people on the earth who have had to denounce their ancestors in order to become better people. Is it because our ancestors are so strong that we are forced to denounce them before our conquerors? This is one thing you shall never find me doing because I know too much about my African contribution to history. Contributions of Patari. The first naming of the divine, nature, God, a natural root, divinity, from which some say the English word nature is ultimately derived. The first trinity, Osar, Oset, Heru, which has been repeated by Amen, Mut, Kunsu, and then God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. The Christians took out the mother, who represented Oset, and gave Christians a virgin, Mary, but she was no God. Asaseya is Mother Earth, but no one can have a son without a mother. The first idea of a son of God or the daughter of God, Sarah or Sarah, was Patari. The first black stone altars, long before the Kaaba was revealed at Mecca, were, re were revealed in the Nile Valley. The first example of the resurrection from the dead, Osa. This is also where we find that the Neb, Earth, the Lord of Life, was not a sarcophagus, that is, not a flesh eater, but something that spoke of life. The, Nebuch, the sarcophagus, the, the right, was, uh, was the basket of life. That's right, the Lord of life. The name of God, Amen, now used by others in their prayer. Patari gave that to the world. People say, Amen. <laughs> the idea that your good should outweigh your evil, that your soul should be lighter than a feather, that perfection is not what is sought after, but overwhelming goodness. The complementarity of males and females. Different roles, but not subjugation. Mahu and Lisa, male and female, also and Osset, complementarity. The first records of ancestors' wisdom. The books of Patahotep, Kagimni, Dwarf, and so on. The idea of heaven and earth. Nut and Gale. 
Alcet is called the Lady of Heaven. Here in Africa, and on that continent, in Africa, we have prayed to God longer than any other continent. When the pyramids were finished, Europe had given the world not one organized civilization. Even Asia was just stirring. Africans made the contribution, made the idea of the beautiful and the good, one word, nephra. In fact, most African languages, the name for uh, the good and the beautiful is one, nephra. Patari gave the world its first ethical system, Mott. The idea of eternal life. Up Nehe was Africa. Eternal life. Life forever. It's repeated over and over and over again in, in, the, in, the, sac- in, the, in the wisdom, uh, uh, the, the philosophy, and the sacred text of the ancient Egyptians. The first libation. Offerings, the first offerings, the first burning of incense as ritual form is Africa. The Ten Commandments were preceded by the 42 Confessions in the Egyptian so-called Book of the Dead, the book more accurately called the Book of the Coming Forth by Day. Patari gave us the idea of the collective and communal salvation rather than a rampant individualism. Now what's the future? the future. All futures are made by human beings. But but they must begin with consciousness which precedes Afrocentricity. See, we can't... I always say consciousness precedes unity. But before you can be Afrocentric, you have to first be conscious. You've got to know. That's why we have these Temple of Africa lectures. You should bring everybody. We should all be here. That's the power of it. You see? And as I have always explained, the Temple of Africa itself will emerge out of these lectures because we will begin to teach from the ancient texts. Because that, we, we need to go back and just look at our ancient texts and deal with the ancient texts. The Wolof in Senegal, the Mandi people, say wood may remain in water for 10 years, but it will never become a crocodile. In Africa, I must tell you that we African people, we live by tried and true values. And if we continue to do this, it's a credit to our God. Almost all of the disarray of African people can be traced to the disruption of the traditional religion. In fact, you can go to all the countries, you'll find that that's the problem. We are the children of the Supreme God, sustained by our ancestral connections. Formed to glorify the best values of mind, encouraged to assume responsibility for each other in a community of consciousness. Failure to do this is a deviation, an abomination, and we can only reconnect through rites of ablution, making, doing, sacrificing time, money, energy in the name and the interest of Africa. The concept of the guilt is the idea, not what we give. But the concept of gift. This may change. I mean, of course, given education, science, sensibility, scarcity, and so on, but we need to we need to sacrifice for Africa. But our God must not be one of exploitation, egocentrism, conservatism, and westernization. If so, we shall all go to hell. If we do not, as African people, do what we need to do. In the name of Yah Asantewa, then we can never be the hope of the hopeless. 
If we cannot find our way, then I fear the prospects of the world because Africa holds the key to the humanity of the earth. But when we rise up and throw off the vestiges of our mental enslavement, there shall be rejoicing among all of the ancient ancestors, and they will say, Rejoice, let the gods of Africa rejoice. Thank you. Abibi Fahodie, Total African Liberation, Yebedi Inkonim. We will be victorious. of European control works is that you have to accept a concept of reality which makes them superior. If you deny that, their thing will not work and they will lose their control. <laughs> 